0: So this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. Um, I guess this is Jafar Nouri. He's the head of a new pro- project. Um, the company's called Intelligent Pollution Monitoring (IPM). So, Jafar, thanks for coming. How are you doing today? How are we doing, Richard? Good. Tell me. It um, sounds very interesting. What is uh, what's Intelligent Pollution Monitoring about?
1: Yes. Uh, so, um, IPM is a startup company. We started back in 2014 with a scope to measure chemicals in water toxic chemicals that can uh, do uh, harm to your health so uh, drinking water is something that's like you need to um, to consume water all the time and if it's not safe enough then you will end up in, in health issues or you end up having health problems and um, so we started this company with, on the base to uh, to have a device that can give you continuous measurements on the quality of the water that you are drinking in your house of course what we are developing is something that uh, not you as a consumer, an individual consumer will use, but the water producer or the municipality can use to secure the area.
0: Oh, OK. So it's not for individual consumers. It's for the municipality. So. Yes. Yes. I thought that, uh, you know, drinking water, is this in the U.S. or is it in other countries?
1: Well, uh, we are based in Denmark, but uh, we are we have been engaged in an uh, in international market so far. I have just actually came back from the States. I was presenting the latest results that we have in, in Texas. Two weeks ago so we are focusing actually on international market and trying to uh, to penetrate into the u.s market as well
0: oh it doesn't seem like you know i don't know but then i'm only in one place um yes it doesn't seem like we have many water quality issues with the water treatment well, plants here in the u.s well, but is that not true
1: yeah uh, well, it depends on uh, how you see it because the how i started the company i was sitting in one of the lectures and the lecturer asked the question, "What do you know about like the water quality how how frequent do you uh, do you think they are measuring and everyone uh, thinking like was thinking in the room it's every day and then the the answer was like in some locations it's up to every, every second year they can measure certain chemicals so and especially like these pesticides and, and nitrate they are specific chemicals that can really do harm to your to your body and the effect it will not be like tomorrow, you will see it within 10 or 20 years when someone catches the cancer, then there is a problem. And this is one of the causes. So, uh, of course, maybe you don't see it in the U.S. Maybe it it hasn't been reported. But for example, in Denmark, for the past uh, year, we have been uh, having incidents and reports uh, coming into the media about different pesticides that that has been banned in the 60s. Now it's appearing. So uh, one of the villages, actually, uh, northern Copenhagen, they have been banned from drinking water from the tab and not even to brush their teeth with the water because it's highly t- uh, contaminated with pesticide so it depends that's on where
0: you go. Um, yeah. yeah that's great I thought, I thought in water treatment plants they're sampling the water continuously and taking out certain contaminants and they don't even release the water unless it meets certain yes. standards
1: but but that's what i was saying like it's up, up to to like sometimes uh, in some locations it's not that frequent because the current technology it's uh, time-consuming. It's uh, like it needs resources. So basically, you, you take a, a bottle, you sample, and you send it to a laboratory. After five days, you get a result. And that needs a highly trained personnel and it need the central laboratory and it needs resources in order for you to do continuous measurements. So they don't do it that frequent. It depends, again, on your location. So if they know there is a huge problem in your area, so maybe they will sample a little bit frequent but if they are assuming there is no problem, then it will continue to this uh, low frequency. Oh,
0: that's crazy. How could they say that they're uh, they're protecting public health if they're only sampling things, you know, every week, every month, every year? Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. that makes no sense. Yes,
1: and that's why uh, incidents now has uh, have been reported, in, in, at least in my country, that's the media that I'm following at the moment. But we know, uh, like across Europe, there has been uh, several reports. We are trying to follow that uh, as well. Trying to see if there is like incidents, uh, some cases where like the pesticide is increasing without anybody noticing that, and we are trying to to develop the device, deliver it to the customers hopefully by the end of this year,
0: so we can avoid such things. So, how would um how would old pesticides show up in a water supply? How do you think that happens?
1: Well, um, most of the water comes uh, either from like our freshwater comes either from rivers or groundwater. So the pesticide is sitting in the uh, like binded to the soil and it starts leaching slowly to the groundwater level. And then uh, when it reaches that or it reaches the river, then it starts to appear. It doesn't degrade very fast. So uh, it stays there for years, many, many years. The lifetime is, is very long. And then once it's it's there, it will uh, just flow with the, with the water flow and then it will appear in your pipe or in the production unit that you have. And that's why you see it in, in drinking water.
0: Do we have uh, UV radiation or ways to safely irradiate water to, to you know, no break up a lot of the pollutants, or use sunlight? Or?
1: The radiation will uh, will not do. So uh, activated carbon might help in some places, but uh, like simple filtration and aeration, like the simple procedures will not work. And UV or like aeration will uh, will also not help in that uh, in that matter. For example, if you look in, um, I don't know where where you like. Depends on your location. So, in many areas, they spread they spray this Roundup glyphosate, and that's uh, has been reported to be harmless. It depends on who you ask, but th- this compound has been used intensively. So, in one and at some point, it will reach the groundwater or it will reach the surface water, and definitely it will end up in our tap water. So, if you drink that, in one one way or another, you will get cancer because you are like consuming even low. Low quantities, but in a continuous uh, exposure, they definitely will have health problems.
0: What uh, What about bottled water in different countries in the US and the place? Is that better, worse, same? Do they test it more for chemicals?
1: Well, uh, that that is something uh, different because uh, it's a manif- manufacturing, it's a facility, so they need to control it uh, even more. So it's a bit better, uh, I, I would say, I would assume to that. But uh, again, you never know until you do this frequent testing because in some locations uh, let, let's let's take this example it's uh, let, let's say it's every second year so you measure today and you go in two years time and you measure again so what happened between these two years you don't know so maybe there is like a spike of con- contamination going through where you keep pumping to the customers they keep consuming high concentrations of chemicals toxicants and then it passes away and then you sample again and you see okay within this two years interval there was nothing so we will keep doing the interval, but in a in a factory, I think they will do it more frequent, or at least they will check it a little bit more frequent because that uh, that uh, like um, follow a different rules or different regulations. It's more like production facility than uh, water treatment.
0: Well, that's pretty insane. Do so do the water municipalities even want to sample more? Yes. Is, do they have the technology to fix it if it's sampled, yes. or do they not yes. want to sample?
1: Uh, they would like to sample uh, more. And actually now uh, we started engaging more with the water producers, especially here in Denmark. They are actually trying to get more and more, but the technology today is very limited. So when we started back in 2014, we, the technology was not ready. We had to invent something in order to get it ready to the, to the level that can be installed in the field and give you these continuous measurements. So back in 2014, there was nothing. And when we started actually presenting the idea, just an idea, Everyone was saying that you that's that's not going to work. you are just a dreamer and you have a vision that will never work. but now we started seeing results we have been testing in real samples from different countries. We get different waters uh, like send it to us to the laboratory to test just to double check our prototype before we release it to the market and it seems like it's actually working, and the customers are ready to install it in there and just get feedback so when when installing and when measuring, then you will avoid actually huge fines from the municipalities. If you are sending contaminant water, then you will get a fine because you are damaging an um, end consumer. And you could also avoid closure because if you if you know that the concentration is slowly increasing in your well or in your uh, like pumping uh, point, then you could uh, react fast, apply a cleaning solution, again, such as activated carbon, and that will help you keep uh, the production in place instead of like, shut down or lose your business. So they are also looking forward to
0: that. So is this gonna be you know, in situ and you're gonna be continuously monitoring the water or does it still have to be sampled and taken to yes. a lab?
1: So what we deliver, we deliver a device that has uh, sensors. Uh, it's already designed to detect certain chemicals. So one of the main chemicals that we are uh, focusing on is this uh, pesticide called the Roundup or glyphosate. That's one of the main chemicals. So. We have sensors, and inside that uh, that tube, uh, we have also electronics that run, operate the sensors, and it's communicating uh, through antenna, so GSM module. And then, while you are sitting at your office, you get a continuous readings. your program the device to the frequency of sampling. You can free, uh, like do a frequency from milliseconds up to a few days. So it's up to you as a producer if you'd like to show the public more data to show how safe you are. Then you can uh, program it to measure every millisecond but it will be like in situ you install it once
0: and you service it once a year but again right now it seems like the standards are so lax that's why you have municipalities sampling every two years what's the standard once you have this equipment what's useful
1: well then then we need uh, that's uh, actually we have been in discussion with uh, with certain people in here uh, regula- uh, regulators. they are saying we need to compare it to the standards so to the laboratory the certified laboratories and show that we can match the results. And then we could be the next standard. So uh, the water... But when result- I
0: say standard, I mean mean how frequent? Is there a frequency standard right
1: now? Again, it depends. So if your area is proven to be contaminant or highly contamination, or there is a historic site where we know it has been contaminated, then they will force you to do a very frequent sampling. So maybe once a, once a week or once every second week. But if you are in an area where it hasn't been reported, as a like there is a toxic in there, then it will be relaxed like every year, every six months, every two years. Nobody knows. It depends
0: on the area. Okay. So what, what have you noticed when you've done some continuous monitoring? Do you see any patterns or interesting data? Well,
1: well so far we are trying uh, to assemble the device as a product. We didn't reach a, a point where the customer is testing it yet, but we are trying to reach that point. So we are launching uh, the uh, product by uh, like end of this year, trying to hand it over to customers. And then based on that, we will we'll have more findings on how the, like, we'll try to link it to uh, the rainfall, uh, the water flow, and, and different things. But so far, we are in
0: developing stage. What challenges are you facing right now? What's making it hard to do this?
1: Well, um, the biggest challenge, like two challenges that we have faced, one of them, back in the days when we started introducing the product, even the like the waterworks or the water producers, they... They weren't so um, happy about measuring frequently because they, they are saying, if we will know about what's in the water, then we will be forced actually to, uh, to do a cleaning procedure. For example, in Europe, we have uh, this hot list of 10 or 20 chemicals that you need to measure, and they don't want to measure more than that. So they didn't want to go out of this uh, safe uh, cocoon or safe bubble that they have around themselves. But the public awareness increase and uh, like people asking for what is in the water. So now the water producers are asking for more. So that was one challenge, shifting the, the water producers from one mindset of sampling, not that frequent to a continuous online, something that will give you more data and more secure. And the second thing actually to uh, convince uh, the funding agencies to fund the project. That was a, a little bit rough, but we managed to, uh, to go through to penetrate that.
0: Well, which pollutants are uh, being sampled, even rarely, and which ones um, do governments want to sample? Is there any difference there?
1: Well, again, it depends from country to country. In, in Europe, we have a certain regulation. So pesticides, it's uh, sampled, and they have a like, certain list of pesticides. Um, and, and we have a certain detection limit. So if you exceed 0.1 microgram per liter, then you need to stop production. In the U.S., it's a little bit different. So each pesticide is sitting, like, or a group of pesticides is sitting in certain category. And then, like, for example, I know group, group E has a detection limit of 700 microgram per liter. If you exceed that, then you need to stop production. So it depends, again, from country to country. We have in the Europe, uh, the nitrate is one of the elements that we have to measure. It's a must. And there is a directive regulating that, regulating the concentrations and how... How do you react if you get this chemical into your water? But again, okay, what
0: are some of the big uh, pollutants, and what are some of the effects of them? You mentioned glyphosate, you know, which is Roundup, yes. as being yeah. cancerous. What what about nitrates, and what are some other uh, ones? And what would be the effects of these pollutants?
1: In nitrate, it, uh, it has more effects on uh, on baby, as as far as I remember, it uh, do uh, blue baby syndromes. So it has uh, some other effects, but pesticides is more like when we do work in the lab. And we get the safety data sheet. It's more into carcinogenic material. So if you get exposed to it in a very frequent base, then there is a high risk that you will get a cancer in one place of your body. And imagine if the root of exposure is actually the drinking water that, like, I don't know how frequent, uh, for example, you yourself as a person drink, but like 10, 20 glasses that contain certain uh, concentration of pesticides in uh, and you get exposed to that every day, then you, you will definitely get something that is not, not good.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> hey, um, have you have you done a study or have you seen studies on the top worst pollutants that, uh, you know, I know it depends on country, but are there any in common that uh, every country is worried about or most countries are worried about most of all?
1: Uh, I think it's, it's more uh, generic, like across uh, across the globe. So once uh, we get a study saying compound X or compound Y is uh, toxic, for example, DDT, nobody on the planet, I think, using it now because they started like uh, banded one after another. So once you see it's carcinogenic, it has been proven by studies, then countries will uh, will uh, will be banning it uh, one after another
0: because they, you don't want to be exposed to it. What about countries that don't have a lot of money and they're just lucky to have uh, water treatment at all? Are you working on a solution for them, a the low we cost ha- one, or what should we
1: do? Yes, uh, we have heard actually some uh, some of the countries and some of the news. Uh, like they they take other countries as a model. So um, let's take uh, country X. If they say uh, Europe is still using this chemical, so because Europe is using it, it means it's safe, and we will keep using it the same way. And they will not monitor the water, like third world country, or they they they, will, they don't care because they they take. The modern countries, as an example, and they will just follow. So, whatever you do, it will affect them as well. If you know uh, what I figure,
0: mean. Yeah, the 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 poorer countries again yes. barely have any money to even yes. treat the water at all. Exactly. Um, so I don't know if it, it it seems like they would never go for this kind of thing until they're at a stage where they have quite a bit more money. But okay.
1: Well, well, it depends. Like we are not offering it at a very high price. We are trying to to match the requirement because again, it's a. Uh, my health your health and everybody's health so we don't want to make a huge profit out of it but we would like to also secure the health the public health all the time we try to get as much data as we can in order to avoid a crisis or a situation where we'll end up having no clean water in the tap to drink so i think even uh, like poor country that has been using pesticides so some of the countries, uh, poor countries, if they don't pour pesticides in their land, then they shouldn't have this problem. They they will uh, have more problems with biological materials, for example. Biological contamination with bacteria, most likely, because they, they have a cracky system where bacteria can leak into the tap water. So, But in countries where we have a huge agricultural fields, and in these fields we spray a lot of fertilizers, a lot of pesticides in order to maximize uh, the yield growth of the crops, then you have this problem. So it depends on when you, where you are and which kind of industry your your country is running.
0: Why not couple this sensor with sensors that some people can have in their homes so you can not only see what the continuous monitoring does, but downstream you can see if that changes and how that changes in people's homes.
1: We have been actually discussing that with the water producers and they would like to propose a different model. So, for example, in some countries... They apply chlorine or fluorine to uh, like, to enhance the water or to uh, avoid contamination, like biological contamination. And they would like to see if we apply a concentration X at the production unit, how much is actually reaching the customer? Does, it, uh, does this chlorine or fluorine degrade along the way? So that's something that we are also thinking, and uh, we are trying to build a sensor for that so it can it can meet that other requirement. But you should actually centralize Make sure that the water that you are distributing in the distribution network is something clean and you clear it in the facility before releasing it to the end users, to the individuals. Because as a person, to me as a person, if I measure pesticide and I see high concentrations of pesticide, what can I do? Like There is no uh, like easy treatment in ho- in-house. The, it should be like more chemical treatment
0: in a central unit. But you could avoid uh, drinking in the water. You could do that.
1: Of course, that could be an option as well. Yes, that's for sure.
0: I mean, you know, there's different levels. You could say, okay, this pesticides in my water. Um, I'm going to bathe in it. I'm just not going to drink it, but I'll still be able to bathe in it, let's say. Or maybe I can boil the water, only drink it boiled, and maybe that will still be okay for me. Maybe not. I don't know. But at least you yeah. could have different levels of use yes. of your own water and you'd be informed instead of blind.
1: Yeah. That, uh, that's uh, also an option. But again, if we install the individual, then we could also cause a public panic. So the waterworks are forced uh, to publish their data all the time. So you will, as an individual, have access to this data all the time, and you can you can have the readings. If the waterwork, of course, allow and publish it. It depends on the regulation in that area. But then you can just read the report instead of having, like, you calling your neighbor, causing a public panic, and then uh, end up in a in a bad situation. Of course.
0: Well, for example, I mean, yeah, there's, there's different ways to monetize it. You know, you could be part of a test group. Yeah. The water yeah. treatment plant could say, you know, for an additional fee, or you could pay for an additional fee to have this stuff installed in your home. Um, yes. I mean, there's many ways to go about it. It seems like you know.
1: Of course, but the the most actually the most interesting way for individuals because we also run a, a survey you tell them about the pesticides and the chemicals they they are more and more interested in biological um contamination because if you get e coli in the water that's an immediate effect that you will see it like after after you consume the water then you might get a diarrhea or something and then you need to rush to the hospital and that's something that no one would like to have so you get uh, some sort of a food food poisoning and that's what you can measure instead of waiting for uh, like the municipality or something to release a press or call you and say don't drink the water so they are more interested in biological materials as an individuals
0: all right so what, are, what are, again what are some of the difficulties is it pretty hard to make sensors that can test for all these things i mean do you have to have an array of sensors each one that yes. tests for only certain components and you know what's yeah. what's your difficulty in doing this what's making it hard
1: Well, each sensor needs to be designed specifically to identify and quantify a certain pesticide. So we have a a sensor designed specifically to measure Roundup and glyphosate. We have another sensor that is designed to measure another pesticide called uh, pentazone. We have another sensor uh, like to to measure Ampa. So we need to have an array of sensors and each sensor to design it, we need to study it for a couple of months. We need to study the chemical structure of the uh, pesticide of interest. We need to see, actually, if there is a contamination incidence, if it's market-relevant. And then we start developing the software around it, the library, and implementing it in the file product. Once we have that, it's just like with a push a button, we modify the, the device. We send you the sensor, uh, like with an envelope. You can just, as a, a water producer, install the new sensor in your device, modify your device, and you can measure extra chemical. But it's actually within the R&D itself. It's a little bit difficult because you need to find this unique fingerprint for each pesticide. To say, this pesticide has this amount or like this unique fingerprint.
0: What if you had to do it in stages? What if you were able to put some kind of binding binding agent? You know, let's say you, water treatment plant, you this, divert a very small part of the stream, you put a binding agent in the water which is not very specific. It binds up a whole class of Organic compounds, and then at least you maybe can get an, an initial signal that one of yeah. many pesticides could be there, and then you could decide whether to take it to the next level and analyze that. Maybe that's a path. Just an idea. Yeah,
1: um, like the each pesticide has a very unique molecule structure, so even a binder will not uh, will not be easy to implement because like it can bind to a molecule one and two, but not to the rest of the group. Not to the byproducts, for example, or the degradation product of the pesticide, and then it will not be helpful and one of the discussions that we had with the with the waterworks they would like to uh, to measure it in the stream without inter- introducing any additional chemicals rather than divert of the stream out and measure it outside
0: well, I mean you know beggars can be choosers, so you you have to do something maybe uh maybe it'll work where you do have to divert just a little bit, and you could still do it on site in a portable lab or. Maybe you will be able to do it in situ, but it would be a big step up than to not measure it at all or measure it every two years. Yeah, you yeah. Have to go out to a lab for a week, so you know there yes. might be some intermediate step that gets there faster.
1: Yeah, but that depends on. Uh, maybe it could be relevant for like highly contaminated area with like too many pesticides. Then it's a it's a bigger problem that we cannot satisfy at the moment or we cannot meet at the moment. So it could be that we we divert the stream a bit and then we we play or we. Uh, modify the water sample chemically before we measure it to give us an indication if the water contaminated at all or not, or if it's exceeding the detection limit, uh,
0: authority detection limit or not. Another problem is, you know, what happens after the, before the water hits the water treatment plant, you know, you may have glyphosate in it. But after it goes through the water treatment plant, what if the chlorine or the other additives the treatment plant uses alter the structure of the glyphosate? and make it different or bind to it somehow or create some kind of uh, other compound well, that's more or less hazardous. Have you studied that? Because that may you know, mess up the measurements.
1: We didn't find a study or, like, or a research on that, uh, to be honest with you, no. We, do, we don't have such kind of uh, research in hand, but uh, we know some of the pesticides are not stable. So once it hits uh, the sunlight, for example, it uh, degrades into separate products. So, if you are, let's say, you are interested in the or let's take a roundup as an example, even though it's not scientifically true, but let's say it hits the sunlight and then it degrades into byproducts. Then, if you are measuring only glyphosate, the byproducts will uh, will uh, will not be able or will not be measurable with the traditional technique because you didn't focus on them, and then they will slip through your hand and reach the customers, and they could be more toxic than the mother compound itself.
0: Yeah, exactly, so, that's what I'm saying. So it makes yeah, it very exactly. complicated,
1: you know? Yes, it is, it is very complicated. And that's why uh, most of the water producers, they, they would like even to measure it down in the ground where it's the same uh, situation that uh, the pesticide has been kept for a while. It's dark, it's a certain temperature, and you're measuring there, there before you even pump it from the ground or from the river out. That will be more relevant.
0: It would. I think it would be more relevant right as it gets to a customer.
1: Yeah, but if you know what, what what is there in the ground, then you apply the solution before actually it enters your treatment facility. So once you pump it, you pump it immediately to a uh, to a place where you treat it, and then you take it out for like further irrigation, add more oxygen, or filter it from particles or suspended particles, and send it away through the distribution network.
0: I see what you mean. They're, they're thinking it may be easier to treat it before it even gets to the plant than afterwards. Yes, exactly. Okay. But they don't know, but it's a guess. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I mean, it's, it's very complicated. You know, maybe some of these compounds adhere to small particles in the water, and then they provide a haven where they can hide or maybe bacteria interact with them and change them. Yes. And who knows? Exactly. Have, have you seen any studies that, that have studied you know, effluent from a, a water treatment plant and try to identify everything in it? Is that even possible?
1: Um, No, not really. We we didn't see such study. We uh, we look at um, at waterworks and what they are producing and what is required uh, for them. We didn't see like that intensive study where a person will say, "I will measure every possible compound that do exist." No, actually, one of the incidents uh, that like popped up in the media a few months ago. It was a guy that uh, studying at a university and he was interested in certain uh, like doing certain study, and then he went to a waterwork, collected a small sample. And then he was doing uh, some measurements on it, and he discovered that a pesticide that is not even on the hot list, but it's way above the detection limit, the uh, the permissible limit. And then he had to report it, so the media got the story, and one water work after another started reporting that pesticide, even though nobody knew that it was there because it was banned in the 60s, because no one is doing that intensive study on on the water.
0: Great. I would say it's a very... You definitely have your work cut out for you, but it's, uh, it's a very important thing you're doing. So yes. I hope that uh, you get a lot of help and I hope it, uh, it it comes out and it's in use because we all need it desperately, you know?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that uh,
0: so much, yeah. So so last question or two, what's your milestone? What's your goal for the next year or two? What would you love to have happen that would be an early result that would make you uh, feel good?
1: Well, um, as we said, uh, we are aiming to launch the product uh, and this summer, we will have some prototypes ready for the customers to test and give, give some feedback. And hopefully by the end of this year, we will release uh, the first, uh, let's call it the beta version. And that's the most important milestone is to have something in the market to prove and to show the scientific community and the waterworks as well. The customers that actually the technology works as we are promising. That's the main goal that we are working towards like for the past three years now.
0: And we are reaching. And what's to, the initial? Uh, what's the initial compound or compounds you want to test for? Uh,
1: we have a pesticide called uh, pentazone. That's one. We have uh, chloridazone, This is the second. And we have the most importantly is actually the Roundup, the glyphosate. That's uh, like the hottest one that we are planning, and we have the, almost a sensor ready for it. Along with that, we have already a sensor uh, ready for nitrate. That's also something that will be measured. Uh, in the whole package. So, when you receive this package, these four chemicals will be measured together, along with other like pH and uh, temperature.
0: Okay. okay. Very good. Very good. Well, what's the best way for people to learn more information about IPM and to uh, contact you?
1: Well, uh, we have our website it's uh, intpm.dk. We release a lot of news over there. And of course, uh, as my affiliation as a PhD student, I'm still uh, publishing some scientific articles. Going to scientific conferences, so if someone interested, they, they can also follow because in advance I put where which conference I'm going to give a speech or a poster presentation. There are scientific articles always coming out so they can read more about uh, the achievement that we have uh, done and what is the li- latest scientific findings that we have uh, received. So they can also follow me on LinkedIn if they okay. like.
0: That's great, Jafar and Okay. Yeah. Jafar, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's uh, super important, your work you're doing, and uh, I appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks, Richard. Uh, I really appreciate the time and for giving me the opportunity to share my story.
0: You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.